0: Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non invasive, non surgical, and drug free. Start your journey to a pain free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303 292 9992, now in Lowry or downtown.
1: Hello, everyone. It's that time for the J. Moore Tech Talk Show, where we answer questions about technology, explain the way they should work, and why they don't sometimes. And now here's your host, John C. Morley. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Jay Moore Tech Talk show. Great to be here. How are you doing tonight, Marcus?
2: I'm doing outstanding, John. It's great to be back another great Friday night.
1: Yes, I don't know where these Fridays are going. We just keep having some amazing episodes, and we got some really great guests um, that are uh, coming up. We have Jason uh, Jacobson tonight, who is a professional networker helping entrepreneurs um, all over. So we're going to get to talk to him a little bit later. Uh, He's actually part of something he started called the Founders Network, so we'll learn about that a little bit. But we have a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, we were talking about Clubhouse, Marcus, uh, not too long ago, right? And uh, we were talking about all the good and the challenges of it. Well, there's some more challenges coming with Clubhouse. (laughs) Clubhouse, okay. I I bet I can guess what it is. (laughs) You know what it is? Okay, all right. (laughs) What is it?
2: Yeah, you know, like uh we, we 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 said it was gonna be an issue uh and it's security. You know, it's gotta be security.
1: You're a hundred percent right. Well, I should have bet on that. We should we should have bet a billion dollars on that, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> uh Agora, yeah. uh who is actually part of Clubhouse, claims that they don't store audio. Now, um mm. this is very interesting because So, Agora is headquartered in the U.S. and in China, which makes them bound by the cybersecurity law. So, they're saying that Clubhouse uh, doesn't uh, store any audio, but Clubhouse does store audio temporarily in the United States. Now, because Agora is headquartered in China... This is gonna pose some pretty interesting privacy concerns, but I think I called this, didn't I?
2: Yeah, you did. Yeah, you, uh, man, I, <laughs> I I swear, if we was uh, betting on some type of news line, we you would have got got all the money.
1: <laughs> Pe- people need to take my advice. I mean, I I know I'm not this uh, person has billions of followers yet, but. You know, I have some insights to what's going on in our world, and this just takes me back to when I spoke for Harvard and Yale, and I did the talk, Minor and Major Inconveniences of Y2K. Our world wasn't going to stop, Marcus, as we know it. We was just going to have some inconveniences, and that's exactly what happened. People couldn't access their money. They couldn't get their medication. Computers couldn't bill properly. They showed they had less money in the bank. All kinds of little annoyances But that's all it did the world didn't stop nobody died right but exactly so clubhouse is supposedly taking this very seriously or so they say they're going to start putting encryptions in to block pings from china's server and this is due to research from our good friends at stanford that actually found the vulnerabilities uh, now, Clubhouse is not really released, uh, for China at this point, and I can imagine why, but if they do release in China, that's going to become even more of a pickle. Oh, yeah. The, so, your information... I'm just wondering, yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering, with, with the potential release in China, you know, are... We're going to have some conflicting information coming from um, from Clubhouse at, at, at some point.
1: Well, I think it's going to eventually release in China, and here's why. Agora is headquartered in China. Right. So I'm sure they're going to want to roll it out there. But now, can we trust what they're going to do with the information? So your information—now, they haven't said how long, but your information is held temporarily— They don't tell us how long temporarily is. It's not two minutes Yeah. and it's not 20 minutes. (laughs) It could be temporarily a day, temporarily two days, temporarily three days. Hey, temporarily a week, maybe temporarily a month. We really don't know. It's going to be interesting what happens. So, they're uh, supposedly working on some um, fixes to prevent China from, uh, you know, spying in and what's going on and actually taking this information and using it to their benefit, which might actually harm people in the United States. So it's a big cybersecurity issue It will. Concern. It is.
2: Yeah, definitely. And... The more people that's getting locked on on this platform the the more you you got the potential for somebody to be one of one of those bad actors that we we, we know uh and that we are familiar with
1: yeah exactly and uh they're not the kind that work for Disney or a Time Warner
2: <laughs> not at all. <laughs>
1: Oh, I knew (laughs) Clubhouse was (laughs) exactly. Uh, I knew Clubhouse was going to be a challenge. I don't think Clubhouse is going to be ready for release. I could be wrong till the end of the year. We'll have to see. But if they're just having security issues now in February, when are they going to be really certain that they've gotten the bugs all out and that security is really assured? I don't think we're going to know right away. No. Might be a few months till they discover. And again, Stanford was the one that discovered this. We'll have to keep an eye on Clubhouse. I think there's a lot of interesting uh, developments that are going to surface um, throughout this year and next year as well. But on a lighter note, have you ever taken the subway before, or MTA, or one of those uh, mass transit, um, you know, subway trains?
2: Yeah, I had the I had had the opportunity to do so when I was visiting out east.
1: Now, imagine this: you get on the MTA. Now we all know how they change the person who used to get on that horrible speaker or loud mouth device. And basically, because that's what it was. It was a loudmouth device. It was terrible. It wasn't really even a megaphone. It was like so distorted. You couldn't even hear the number. You thought it sounded like this street or Park Street. You had to kind of, is that it? Let me just get off just to make sure because I don't want to miss my stop. And it was terrible. Well, they finally fixed that a few years ago and they had professional recordings done that actually made it, that you could hear not only the number, but the stop. And it's so clear that there's no way you could misinterpret your stop. Plus you could even see it on the little, uh, LED screen. So they really made some major improvements, but you know, during the pandemic, people are not paying attention, right? They're just doing whatever the heck they want. Right. And People sometimes are fickle creatures, right? They do what they want to do. And I always say people do two things, at least most of America. They do things to avoid pain and gain pleasure. However, sometimes that's at other people's costs, which shouldn't be. So how do you get people that don't want to follow instructions? Something like, you know, wearing your mask fully over your mouth's and knows when you're on the MTA subway trains. How do you get people to do that? Well, they actually hired Whoopi Goldberg, Jerry Seinfeld, and Cameron. And what they all have in common, as you're probably wanting to know, is they're all New York's famous, as we'll call it, Oscar award winners to be the voice of safety when you get on the MTA railroad trains and subways. I'll tell you something. First time I heard them, because obviously I'm not on the subway, but I was able to play them online. They're very attention-getting. You know, you just can't avoid Whoopi Goldberg or Jerry Seinfeld for that matter. No, no, Cameron either. There's just a very distinct yeah. quality to, to each of them, and you know, just the way Whoopi talks is like, you know, so if, you know, you want to keep it safe, you know, you're gonna put that on your mouth. You know, it's, like, it's like, and she's not like being nasty, but just like she has this real spark to her that makes her voice not <laughs> yeah. annoying, but something you just gotta pay attention to. And when Jerry Seinfeld talks, <laughs> oh my gosh. He just starts with things, and it could be something very simple as you go into the dry cleaners. And he'll say something to you like, um, well, you know, I had a spot on those pants. Okay, we'll try to get the spot out for you. Okay, well, please do, because I have a very important date this weekend, and I really don't want to be embarrassed because my slacks have stains on them. Yeah, wait, we, we, we got you, Mr. Sample. We, we got you. He comes back to the cleaners. I'm just giving you an example. And uh, he says, um, you know, there's still spots on my slacks. Comes in. I don't see any spots. Well, but there are. There's spots on my slacks. I mean, I mean I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass to you, but uh, there's still a spot on my – I mean, Mary, do, do you see a spot on the – uh, George, can you come over here a second? Can you see – does there's a spot? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a spot. He says a spot. I said a spot. She says a spot. <laughs> we'll we'll do it again, comes back to you. But you're getting the idea. So now you come back another time. exactly. And uh, they're all here again, and we're looking. Because I don't want to bring them back to you. I don't even want to cause you a problem. But all I'm saying is I'm not going to be too very, very happy if I take that bag off and I see a spot on those pants. No, 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 Mr. we 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 worked on the pants. Because I hope so. Takes the bag off well, the pants. There's a. There's still a spot on the pants. Oh, no, no, Mr. Seifel. There's no spot on the pants. Well, what do you call that? Well, that is a patch. A patch. A patch. It's a very nice patch. Well, why is there a patch where my spot was? And I'm making this whole thing up, but you get the idea. <laughs> and he comes back, and let's say they'll say, "Uh, I need to talk yeah. to the spotter. Spotter yeah, comes right. out front. You know, there was a spot on the pants. We came back in. There was another spot. There was a third spot. And now there's no spot, but there's a patch. Oh, yes, Mr. Seinfeld. Very good patch. Well, who put the patch on there? Well, that would be the seamstress. Well, you have to talk to the seamstress. The seamstress up front. Why did you put a patch on where the spot was? Well, I put the patch because the spotter told me to put the patch. This is crazy. Yes, what's the matter? Why did you put the patch on there? Well, the seamstress told me, uh, I told her to put the patch on. Okay, well, why did you tell her then to put the patch on? Oh, this gets complicated. You see, the spot which you had, we use chemicals. And, you know, we try really hard, Mrs. Steinfeld, to get the spot out. We try once, we tried twice, we tried a second time. We didn't put a little tag on the top of the pants, which you didn't see. You just complained about the spot to my boss. And you never read the tag that said we tried very hard. But if we try any more, we might damage it. I never saw a tag. Well, there was a tag. You probably fell. well, I didn't see a tag. So what are you saying? Well, we actually uh, worked on it quite a while. And now there's a hole there. So we had to put a patch to cover the hole. So you're telling me that you put a patch over the hole. Oh, yes, sir. Very, very nice patch. It actually looks quite nice. We could put one on the other side if you'd like so it matches. No, I want my pants that I paid. I mean, these were $500 pants from Italy, and they got a spot on them. You've got to buy me a new pair of pants. Well, I can't do You have to talk to the owner. He'll so go back and forth and finally back. Do you know who I am? I'm Jerry Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now that I'm going to make sure my whole building doesn't come here. And I know the person who's actually managing the Yankees. And I'm going to make sure they don't come here anymore. What would you like me to do? We can credit you for the cleaning. I don't want you to credit me for the cleaning. I want another pair of pants. Okay. How much were the pants? $25? No, they were $500. That's going to be a problem because I don't have that in my budget to, to, to cover that. Well, who do you have to talk to? My wife. Well, when is your wife coming back? Well, she's out visiting her sister. Well, when can I come back? I don't know. Well, can you pick up your cell phone and call her? Well, I could, but she's talking with my daughter. Well, this is crazy. George, is this crazy? Mary, isn't this crazy? It's crazy. I mean, do I have to sue you to get the money for the pants? Oh, no, 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 please, please don't call the courts. My my wife and I, we don't like the courts. Well, somebody's got to pay up the money because I'm going to see George's friend, who's one of the best attorneys in the whole area, and trust me, He's going to make sure you pay for those pants and maybe more. Uh, you know, you're, you're starting to give me heart palpitations here, uh, Mr. Seinfeld. Um, I give you, I, I gotta, I'll be right back. Comes back. Uh, I, I give you your money 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. Yeah, and what about $100 for my aggravation? He's right. $100 for his aggravation. for your aggravation. Thank you. Pleasure doing business with you. Yes, thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you, Ms. Cipher. Thank you very much. So you get my point. (laughs) And this was a made-up skip, but this is how he does things. Everything he talks about becomes this entire issue. And I can guarantee you for that lunch, that dinner, and the rest of the meals for that week, he's going to be talking about those pants to everybody. Which cleaner did you go to? Well, I don't really want to, you know, you know, rat the guy out because they tried and he did pay me for the pants. Was it in the in the, in the sh- on the street? Uh, yeah, it was the guy on the street. Well, which one? There's only two cleaners. Well, it was on the corner. Well, they're both on the corner. Oh, well, was it the Chinese Chinese guy or was it the Spanish guy? It was the Chinese guy. I knew it. I never want to bring him anything. He lost my wife's dress. And then my daughter had a prom, and they couldn't find it. And then my daughter-in-law, they brought the the wedding gown. It was almost $100,000, and they couldn't find it. That's the guy. I tell you, these people, why do they even stay in business? But you get my point. So something like that obviously held your attention. And if you're on the subway and somebody's telling you, You know, when you're getting on a subway, just put your mask on. Make sure it covers your nose and your whole face, your mouth and everything. You know, we don't want to put one on either, but let's just do what's right. It's good for everyone else. All right? And then when you get off the train, you can take the darn thing off. All right? But just put it on right now. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And you get it. So that's going to catch somebody's attention, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we don't usually do comedy you, you know so that's, that's there's no there's no extra yes. charge for comedy but I, I had to throw that in there because you know when you when you see these people, that's what they have in common they are the Oscars to be the creme de la creme for being the voice of safety on the m t a railways and subways that's just uh that that that's just I think it's gonna be phenomenal it's go, it's gonna be it, it definitely yeah. is gonna be phenomenal' it's gonna so, make you want um, ride the subway too, my next get. <laughs> you're going to ride it just for that. You can actually just go online and Google these people and their subway announcement, and it comes right up. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to do that. So you don't have to go make yourself feel unsafe and get on a closed train or subway and be <laughs> non-social distance, even though they claim you're being social distanced. What is it, Marcus? I'm traveling in a few days, and when you go to an airport… And you go through all this hodgepodge, right. there's social distance, right? But when you get on the plane, there's no social distancing. Like, did they go through a magic <laughs> no, like uh, hemisphere that suddenly the COVID doesn't exist on the plane unless you're always wearing a mask? I, I don't understand that. No, I. Well, anyway, either, we'll, we'll so, calm yeah, down yeah. a bit. Our, <laughs> <laughs> our our next guest is is pretty interesting. His name is Jason uh, Jacobson, and he is actually um, a resource. He's a connector for entrepreneurs. Uh, Jason is known as a master connector, who is an advocate, as I mentioned, for entrepreneurs. And he is very uh, proactive, very congenial, uh, and he has a wealth of experience in relationship building, not just in face-to-face settings, but through social media. And I think that's really important to understand not just how we stay resilient uh, in a face-to-face environment, but how we do it online. Please help me wel- welcome uh, to the J Moore Tech Talk Show, uh, Mr. Jason Jacobson. Well, welcome, Jason Jacobson, to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for making time for us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, John. It is my pleasure. So with the technology, and I understand you're a professional networker, uh, which I guess is uh, becoming something that's very important during the pandemic era, right? Absolutely. And it's been part of my entire
4: career, but especially right now, very important.
1: So it allows you to capitalize on something you've been doing your entire life, but now it's becoming kind of like a priority for everybody else because they can't do things unless they do them virtually, right? Oh, that's, and for
4: the most part, yes. Virtual is a way of life at this point for most people.
1: (laughs) So there are different types of, uh, I guess, reasons that people go online. Can you just summarize for us, like, what are the reasons? I mean, we know we go online, obviously, to surf the internet and, you know, look up names or research places or get directions sometimes, but what else do people use the internet for?
4: Well, it's building relationships is an extremely important element of doing that. You know, there's online tools that professional tools, social tools that we all are well aware of. And for me, it's been a great way to build new relationships and maintain the relationships. And nowadays with everything being, really online, at least for right now, there are plenty of tools to connect with people with video, with 3D, virtual reality, uh, you name it. There's all kinds of tools out there to connect people. people. We're social by nature. Humans are social by nature, so we wanna meet people. And so having online tools to meet people is a great way to continue that dialogue that you may be having in person.
1: Now, Jason, we get a lot of uh, different types of audience uh, demographic that watch our show uh, each uh, Friday night. But can you tell us, for some of the people that may not understand, what's the difference between a 2D event, a 3D event, a 4D event? Like, just kind of break it down for us in simple terms, if you would.
4: Yeah, so it depends on the engagement. So, you know, what we're doing right now with this interview, that really is a 2D. It's, you know... We're all familiar with the platforms out there. We have these calls every day. It's just having a face-to-face conversation, like a one-on-one conversation, or it could be in a group of people. And that's the extent of it. You can chat, you can share your screen, you can go in breakout rooms. That's really the extent of it. When you're talking about 3D, these are immersive experiences. You may you walking around in your own avatar and connecting with people one-on-one, connecting in small groups. You could use a virtual reality headset augmented reality uh, but you have control of your experience and you can do whatever you want in those environments as long as you know there's certain elements in the environment and so it could be going to panel discussion could be listening to someone do a pitch could be small group discussion you have a lot more control in your environment
1: so when we talk about these different types of environments does the uh, more immersive environments use things like artificial intelligence, and how does that fit into the play? And and what's the benefit of that for people that attend networking events as opposed to just a regular two D type event?
4: Yeah, so I think it depends on the platform. Um, you know, AI can be used in some for sure, especially if you're looking to connect with people. It'll uh, curate the the invitation or the meeting. So there's definitely some advanced technologies out there to help you meet with people uh, that you want to meet with. And that's hard to do in an in-person event. So with online, there's a lot, there's more things you can do. Um, and, you know, virtual reality, all those things allow you to connect with people uh, as close as you can get to in-person without actually having to leave the comfort of your home. Uh, it's cost effective and you can meet people from all around the world without not having to travel. So it's, it's really interesting that, uh, you know, we're only in the beginning stages of this, too. So we're going to see a lot more innovation soon.
1: The travel agents probably don't like this unless they were <laughs> buying stock in uh, these virtual platforms, because, um, you know, now I hear you can actually take a trip with some of the new virtual reality. You can pay a price so that if it costs you, I don't know, $5,000 to take a priceless uh, trip to Fiji. Uh, you can actually have a virtual trip to Fiji for maybe four hundred fifty dollars, but you can keep replaying that trip, or you can buy so many credits.
4: Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, I don't think I'd pay four hundred fifty for a virtual trip, but you know, still cheaper than going there, I suppose.
1: That that that's what I think they're they're working on, and I believe the pricing is something that they're still trying to play with and see how much is it that people are really willing to pay. I think it's probably going to be about a hundred to $150, maybe 200. I don't think four fifty unless there was something really stellar, uh, in that trip, you know, maybe it was a trip after some, uh, famous person and you were getting to relive that experience. Well, then maybe they can get it because of the branding, but, uh, I agree with you. I don't think the trip is worth $500 or $1,000 like they're trying to portray. So we hear about these different events, Jason, and there's a a word that gets um, tossed around a lot, and it's called uh, virtual and hybrid. So can you give us a little rundown? What does it mean to have a virtual event as opposed to a hybrid uh, event?
4: Yeah, so virtual event is completely online discussion, whether it's 2D, 3D. It depends how immersive you want it, but it's 100% online. Hybrid is where you have an online and offline component where you're meeting people in person, but there's also some online component where you can connect with people and there's other resources and other discussions. So it could bring people from around the world into one particular meeting room, some in person, some online. There's also groups just doing hybrid events or will be doing that where they'll do some in person, some online events. And I think that's the future going forward is or, or event organizers, companies are going to do a mix of online and offline, whether they br- they may bring it together into one event or they're just going to mix up the interaction between online and offline. But I think this has all been accelerated because of the times we live in right now.
1: It's going to give us the best of both worlds, right? Because the people that could normally not attend an event, let's say in Las Vegas or something like that, they can actually go online and basically get the same experience. They can go to a virtual booth. Uh, I've been to several of them and it's it's pretty amazing how you can actually interact. The problem that I always see, Jason, is that a lot of the people running the events don't understand that when it's a virtual event, you still have to staff it just like you do a regular event.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, the costs should go down with a virtual event. Uh, no travel expenses, you don't have to rent out a room or anything like that. But you still want to have people there to welcome guests in, to understand and teach them how the technology works. Now, some of these platforms have, we'll call them chat bots uh, or avatar bots that will uh, give you tips along the way. But you still want to have people guiding the attendees on what to do. You definitely don't need as much staff. Now, I think it depends on the size. You know, there are conferences going online now that probably still have dozens, if not hundreds of staff to organize everything.
1: I think you need to have almost what I call uh, a run through of the event. So if you're doing something on a platform, especially with your first time. Have a run through, not just with yourself and a couple people, but all the people that are going to be part of that event Mm -hmm. so that you can get the kinks out. You can understand how it works. And you know what it means when somebody's waiting to speak to you. Uh, So it's very different. But I think if you're not tech savvy for that and somebody that's coming to this event, whether they're technically savvy or not, it gives a very bad impression that you don't know what you're doing.
4: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the 3D virtual events that I've been hosting over.
0: You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303 292 9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.
4: For the last year, we do that. We do a walkthrough with the sponsors and the startups that are pitching there. So, absolutely, we want to make sure everyone involved knows what they're doing, uh, you know, before we get started. So, I completely agree. There's always a learning curve with new technology, and this platform that we've been using, and I'm sure it's with other platforms. They are constantly educating their users or customers and how it works and once you get the hang of it it's usually pretty easy to use but there's always a learning curve Uh, but you're absolutely right you need to have that walkthrough so people understand it how to use it even before you jump into the environment
1: and they got to take it seriously i mean it's not a video game Uh, it's not something you're doing while you're home uh watching tv you got to take it seriously because this is the way your clients are coming through your door And just like your website or any type of communication you have, you need to realize that you got to greet that client the same way you'd want to greet them with a red carpet at your office or at your home when you have people visit you. You got to treat them the same way, but it's just a different understanding to how to do that. Now, um, we're both uh, entrepreneurs and, um, you know, what would you say um, is the magic? to helping people connect and what's the right way to network? Cause a lot of people I know just don't know how to network. You don't go on a platform and network. There's a little more to it than that. It's not like just saying, okay, I sell this and I'm cheaper than everybody else. And this is what I do. And you just push your agenda. So what do you have to say about that, Jason?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's extremely important to build relationships. Networking is not transactional. It's relationship building. So my entire career, I've been a relationship builder and I always find out how I can help people before I ask for anything. So I find out what their needs are, who they want to meet, and I open up my network and connect people together. And I rarely ask for anything, but when, when I am looking for something, people are open to helping me and I connect people almost every day together. So I stay fresh in people's minds and that allows me to build the network, uh, that's allowed me to really build my career.
1: It's kind of very similar to one of the reasons we started this show not too long ago. And for those of you that don't know, we started this show over five years ago. And we started it just as a little tiny um, online uh, audio only show. And it was going pretty well. Uh, We took calls and stuff like that. And then um, we actually expanded to 38 states. Uh, We became a national show. But then an interesting thing happened. We had an advertiser call us and ask to buy an ad. So what did we do? We gave him the person that handles the advertising for the station, the syndicate thought we were doing a great job, not knowing that they were going to pay $3.5 million, not to us, but to the radio station. And guess what they did? They bought out our time slot on prime Thursday nights, 9 to 10 PM. We lost our show. So it kind of left a bad taste uh, in my mouth for a while. And, Didn't feel like I wanted to do that. And then when the pandemic happened, I started doing some YouTube uh, unboxings, reviewing uh, channels, and uh, have a great co host now. And the thing that was important to me was that I wanted to bring the show back because I want to interview great people like yourself and I wanted to give value. I think that's really why I do this every day. I mean, I get charged up uh, to be at the office. Some people think I'm nuts. But uh, interviewing people the day or at night, because, you know, this is interesting, because when you provide value to people, you don't ever sell anything. You just provide value. And I always Mm -hmm. say, if you have to call people, well, that's not the way you should be doing it. Uh, When you're ready to to do something, well, reach out to me. And if you're not ready, well, that's okay too.
4: I completely agree. Yeah, (laughs) that's the the, I believe the right way to think about it. And it's only going to. It's going to help everyone, you
1: know, without a hard sell. So if we're in it for the long game, which we are obviously, but a lot of people aren't, they're always looking to what I like to call the radio station that's tuned into them. We call it WIIFM. And there's another radio station, What's In It For You, W I. So a lot of people are tuned to that other radio station. I tell people they have to tune to the What's In It For You, meaning the other person first. And uh, just having a desire and a strong intent to listen. Uh, We were given two ears for a reason. We really should be listening more than we talk. So talking about tech trends in 2021, what can you share with us about networking, about platforms, just about the whole digital age? Where are things going, Jason?
4: Yeah, so obviously the uncertain times we have right now, it's accelerated the use of technology platforms for businesses, for entrepreneurs, for employees, for employers. It's just the future work is a very hot topic these days, uh, which can encompass virtual events, HR tech, business connectivity tools between employers and employees, communication tools. I mean, all these things have been accelerated. Many of these things were already starting to go in that direction, but it's all been pushed forward sooner because of, the world we live in right now. And I believe this is all good. This is good stuff because you don't need to be in a physical location for everything you do. Now, FaceTime is still important. I don't uh, want to dismiss that at all, but all these tools are extremely important way to really accelerate communication and growth of people and individuals. So I'm excited to see what happens this next year. There's a lot of other trends, but this is a hot trend right now.
1: I think it's really important, and you can let me know your thoughts about this, is that when you're dealing with a new client and they call you, it's important to have that trust relationship built. And I don't just mean that they trust you, but they know a little bit about your company. Where do you exist? Uh, a lot of times they call, well, where are you? And we invite people to come down for an appointment. Obviously, with COVID, they can't just pop in. So I think it's important that people feel comfortable And that you give them a choice if they want to meet you socially distanced, if they can, and you're close. Because I think the virtual world is good, but I think some people use it in a bad way, don't they? And that gives a lot of us that are playing this game the right way to get good clients for relationships. I think that kind of makes it hard for us sometimes.
4: Well, with some of these platforms... People are, you know, selling, 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 they're not building a relationship. So they're coming, going right and asking for the sale before they get to know you. And that does turn people off, whether it's in person, online. It, for some people, they don't like doing events because of that reason. They come across these people that are selling them immediately before they get to know them. Now, there's plenty of good people out there to meet that are understand the value of building relationships. But uh, there's always going to be bad apples no matter what you do. And so you just have to move on if you don't want to connect and talk to that person.
1: You get that on LinkedIn sometimes, too. And when I get somebody that sends me the 17-page dissertation, I thank them. (laughs) And uh, I usually come back and I say, hey, uh, so what was it in my profile that made you want to connect with me? And you can usually tell. If the person doesn't have a genuine interest in you then you move on and then there's those people that just do the hard sell and i'm like i'm not interested and then it usually results in you breaking your connection which you think that'll give them the message but then they still try to message you until they run out of free messages if they're not a family member (laughs) so i think uh it, it is causing desperation for some people but i think other people are not educated enough to use it the right way the other question i have for you is what do you think about paid events versus freed events i know a lot of people Uh, won't go to paid events. I know I like to go to a lot of paid events because I feel the caliber of people you're meeting there um, are putting in, not that it's a lot of money, but they're actually making a commitment to be on time um, and to actually be present and be a good networker and a good listener. What do you think about that, Jason?
4: Yeah, I do a lot of pay. I've I've done a lot of paid events, but I do more free events. But, you know, sometimes we just charge a little bit just to weed out the people that aren't serious. Uh, there's always costs. So you charge five, 10 bucks. It's not a big deal. It covers some costs and it weeds out people that are uh, not serious. So, yeah, I think with a lot of online events now, you don't need to charge that much. I, there's still some costs and, and some of the event organizers still want to Make a living or earn some income from this, so I'm okay with both, you know, paid or free. But I agree, the caliber is generally higher if people are paying because you know they're going to probably
1: show up. And it's not like you're asking them for a lot. You're usually asking for eight, ten dollars or something like that. Sometimes there's events that are a little bit more because they offer some value or they have tiers where you can pay for different things. Like there's a seminar, just like if you went in per in person, you would pay for a seminar for an extra, you know, benefit or something. So uh, we're almost uh, out of time, but I wanted to ask you just another question. What would you like to leave our viewers with tonight? I mean, is there something that you want everyone to take home tonight about networking, about virtual events? What would you like to put in everyone's mind uh, before we say goodbye tonight?
4: Yeah, relationship building is a process. It takes time to get to meet people. Don't go into it transactional at all. Get to meet people, understand what their needs are, who they'd like to meet, and connect people and help wherever you can. You want to provide value as much as possible. So pay it forward, help people, and eventually it will come around to you when you're needing something. And you know, with these new platforms out there, give them a chance. Uh, we're not meeting people in person as much these days, so this is our best bet. There's a lot of great platforms out there, great ways to engage with people. I've met some great people during this pandemic using these platforms. So, you know, definitely don't use this time as a reason not to meet people. You should always be building your network and your relationships. It's it's a continual process.
1: And I think something else too, Jason, that when you go to these platforms, you know, it's important to to dress the way you'd go if you were going to an event. You don't have to wear a jacket and tie, but you see some people um, that they're not dressed right. They have a t-shirt or the famous one is, well, uh, well, I don't have to wear pants because it's a virtual event. You know, and it's like, okay, but to bring that up and then to have that mentality, it's saying to me, like, you're doing something in between everything else. And if you have time, then you're going to talk to me. And that already kind of like demotes them on my scale. Because I feel that they're not really vested in networking. They're just doing this uh, while their wife's making dinner uh, or while their kids are finishing uh, a virtual learning session and they don't have to babysit them. That's what, what I get out of it. So I think people need to prepare before they attend these events. What do you think about that?
4: Absolutely agree. I always put on a nice shirt um, because you know I'm having these virtual calls you know every day like all of us, but you're right you want to dress the part. I dress the same whether I'd be in person or online. It's a mindset. it you want to be in that professional mindset and I agree with you. there are people that I have virtual calls with now that they wouldn't be dressing that way if I met them in person. Uh, so it surprises me and I think some people are taking this to be extra casual you know, Business casual is popular, but they're taking it to be casual now. They're bringing it down another level. Uh, And so I agree that you need to take it serious.
1: It reminds me, uh, let's go back a few years, more than a couple, when you went to the resort and they had seven levels of dress. Uh, You would have like uh, resort, resort casual, casual, uh, light casual, uh, resort dress, resort formal. I mean, that all kind of dropped. And I feel that when it dropped, it changed people's attitudes about how they are. I mean, just when you're in an office or you're somewhere, you need to have it the way you want to be, because when you're making phone calls, or you're talking to somebody, you can't be slouched in a chair. You have to have that attitude. And I believe the attitude just kind of breathes through you. So if you're on the phone and you're kind of like doing this, well, you might think nobody sees you because it's not on video, but I think that actually comes through your voice.
4: I agree. You want to, you definitely want to have the right setup, you know, have a good camera, have a good lighting situation, you know, all that's have a good background, whatever it is you want to be, you want to pay attention to that. I paid attention to that right when this pandemic started, when I knew that it was all going this way and, you know, there needs, there's definitely some etiquette and, A lot of people don't know it. There are people out there that have shared tips around that, but most people are not taking it that serious.
1: It's almost like um, when you use dating sites online, there's business dating etiquette, and then there's regular dating etiquette, and there's things you do and you don't do. And it's like, well, there's no rules. Well, there's no formal rules, true, but would you call somebody at night at 11 o'clock? No. We're usually taught that you don't call someone after 8 p.m., And understanding time zones. And I think people a lot of times, you know, press that or, you know, they'll call you during dinner and they don't understand what they're doing. They're disrupting you from having dinner with
0: your family or working on something. And then don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303 292 9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.
4: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: And I always like to use the one that a famous actor, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, used uh, when you you call somebody calls up and you talk to them and the person says to him, you know, uh, let me get your number. Your number. Yeah. Uh, And what time do you have dinner? Yeah, I want to call you back when you're having dinner because, see, I'm having dinner right now, (laughs) you know, and, and you laugh. But, you know, it's funny. We actually learn things when they're funny. Um, or when they really immerse our senses. The more senses we immerse, or the crazier we make something, Jason, we remember it. I mean, the memory analogy, when you go to the store and you can pile things on your head and you can make things more ridiculous, you tend to remember what the heck you went to the store for. So in closing, the last question I just want to ask you is, as tech is evolving through 2021, 2022, and and this uh, new decade, what do you think is coming up the road?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of industries that are already being tested right now and advancing and accelerating. I mean, so we've got supply chain is a big one, fintech, edtech, future work, which I mentioned before, and healthcare is a big one. I mean, they're all advances, pharma with drug discovery and, and R&D that is accelerating because of what's happened recently. You're going to see there's been a lot of investment in that specifically lately. And so everyone's being strained and everyone is evolving and, and adjusting to this new way of doing things. And it's a good thing because this stuff was in process. So you're going to see all kinds of industries uh, being, you know, crypto is, is big right now again, and blockchain, you know, some of these technologies have been around for a while, but I think this year a lot of this is going to go to the next level and it's just, there's a lot of investment and a lot of company, people starting companies.
1: I think COVID really lit a fire under everybody. Not because uh, they wanted it, but it happened and it forced people to react. Um, most people don't know this about themselves, but your body is trained to keep you safe every day. It's not trained to make you successful. You have to do that yourself and build those programs. Your body is meant to retract you so you don't get hurt, you don't get harmed. And so that it's just like it doesn't want to push the envelope. So that's why we have to rewrite a lot of those programs uh, in our mind. But, you know, you mentioned something about blockchain, and I can't uh, help but ask you another question. So a lot of people are losing money in blockchain, $140 billion. But before I go into that, when you talked about the tech space, we had a, a little side note uh, last week on the show, or actually a few weeks ago, where we talked about uh, the technology for home healthcare. care. There's a device now you can buy. It's probably about this big. And um, there's one adapter on it that basically you can hold against your head and it'll take your forehead temperature. Big deal. But it also, with another adapter, can actually operate as a stethoscope. Another one it can use as a scope for your ear. Another one for your nose. Another one for your mouth. Now you're saying, well, what's all this going to do? Well, it goes through a secure network, supposedly. And your remote doctor is going to use it. Uh, my big concern is how we're securing and encrypting this information, because there's no government governance out there right now. And my other question is that blockchain, I think, is good, but I'm concerned when it comes to finances in blockchain. I think it should be used more as a validation service, uh, but not something that we store our money in. Well, so home health care definitely is
4: growing, you know, telehealth. There's a lot of advancements and acceleration of that. Um, you know, some companies that had home health care services are now doing telemedicine. I mean, that that is a growing trend uh, and it's here to stay. Uh, previously, the company, I was, a fund I was involved in, a venture capital fund, we invested in a company in that space and they accelerated their uh, telehealth during this time. So you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, blockchain, uh, crypto, I mean, people have made lots of money lately in crypto and Bitcoin but you know blockchain is really the underlying technology behind all that and blockchain is um, you know it it does offer um, you know a verification and it does it, it does uh, have a somewhat of a trail but you know it, it's it's hitting every industry and so I think people have to be more comfortable with it uh, but it you know some of the big companies are now investing in it big banks and other large financial institutions so once that people are comfortable that they're putting a lot of money into that and making sure that these systems are secure i think that's the future i mean there's so much money being put into it and it's still i believe in the early stages but everyone will feel more comfortable about it as time goes on, but there's definitely security with all that stuff. I mean, everything can be hacked, I suppose, at some point, but...
1: <laughs> there, there's always a level. Remember, We remember WEP, uh, the wireless en- encryption privacy, which was garbage. I mean, uh, a 12-year-old could basically hack that in a matter of 20 or 30 minutes about with a, a program they downloaded for free. And then <laughs> we went to WPA, and WPA2, WPA3, and then we have the higher level for, for uh, corporations, but my big concern is governance. And with all these things, IoT, I mean, we have the W3C. Uh, most people don't know, but Google has their own chip, or they so they say it's their own chip. It's really not. Uh, they kind of built it, but they actually weren't the ones that came up with the idea. It came up through the W3C consortium saying that no device should be trusted. And more and more companies are using that technology now. But I think we really have to worry about setting a standard like in the internet of things, a security of governance. What, what do you think about that? Because I'm concerned about all this information out there. Like I won't have an Alexa in my home or one of those Google voice. I just won't do it. Uh, I don't trust the information. I don't trust it. Even though it's on edge computing, uh, distributed computing, I believe it's going to a container. And the best way to explain this to you is if we had a bucket of water and we were all drinking that bucket of water, well, there could be, germs if one of us had a cold or something but let's say that i was to put a filter in there and we each were drinking from filtered water will that be fine that's not happening right now when we talk about how distributed processing is working well
4: uh yeah i mean there's so much going on out there i mean you know some of these platforms you know social platforms can follow you around where they follow you around between your your mobile phone your computer you see ads uh that maybe you looked on your phone or online that you're seeing stuff everywhere. Uh, I mean, it, so it just depends on your level of security and comfort. You know, there are plenty of people that use those in-home devices. You know, I have a few in my house. Uh, information is out there regardless. And I, I don't feel like, you know, me personally, I've been impacted, at least that I'm not aware of. Uh, so I think it just depends on how comfort, comfortable you are and Every time you buy something, almost your information's out there. So I think it just depends on what happens with that information. And, but yeah, I think there's going to, there probably will be some more government oversight on some of these things. And some of the big tech companies are also trying to add more oversight as well and governance, but it, it's going to take time. I think.
1: We need a consortium built. I mean, the W3C was built years and years ago. Uh, and the and classic example, I always go back to Jason, is there was a doll probably about less than a year ago, maybe around that time, the doll was given to um, um, his daughter. They played with the doll. Everything was fine for a week or two. And the doll would do things like, you know, uh, play a song, uh, play a game, say you're nice, you're my friend, all these very innocent things. And then within a week or two, the doll was hacked. Now, the kid didn't know the doll was hacked. And now this doll is asking, I'm just going to make up the name. Let's say her name was Megan. Hey, Megan, so what's your full name, Megan? And where do you live? Where do you go to school? And are your parents home now? And do they work late every night? And uh, how about your grandparents? Do you have anybody that watches you? Or uh, who are your friends? What do you like to do? And now you've suddenly taken something that seemed to be very innocent. But because a company didn't have governance or take the responsibility and was so concerned about making a fast buck, they didn't put in a small little governance to have even a pin code on that doll so that a website could be hacked through a phone. It's not Apple's fault. Apple just paired the phone with with the doll. But maybe Apple should be saying, hey, if there's an app out there and it talks to a device, well, it needs to have a six-digit pin code, or we're not going to allow it. They could do that. But they're not. Right. So I think right now it doesn't become a problem, fortunately, until somebody gets hurt uh, or until it causes a real issue or becomes a law, a lawsuit. That's what I always tell people when that happens. then it seems like everybody wants to suddenly solve the problem um, that either hurts somebody or compromise someone. I mean, that's that's when we all you know, we all kind of respond. But there's so many things, I guess, going to evolve in the next uh, decade as as we move forward. And again, uh, in summary, uh, I guess there's lots of networking opportunities for people. Um, What would you say, Jason, is the wrong way to network so that people know what they shouldn't be doing?
4: Well, uh, I mentioned a little bit before, don't try to sell your product or service on the first interaction with someone. Get them to know you and they will want to buy from you at some point if they like you, trust you and feel comfortable about you. They're buying from you, not your company. And so just realize it's a long-term process. You're building these relationships. And over time, it will build, you'll build value on both sides. You'll get introductions and, you know, but but don't be aggressive, just be very uh, thoughtful and try to help people wherever you can. But it is a long-term process. And, you know, I encourage you to try different ways to meet people, different events, whether online, in person, but be open minded to try to meet new people and, you know, expand your network because you never know when these people could be valuable for your personal or business uh, life in general or and your brand.
1: That's that's a very uh, valuable statement. And not only could those people be valuable to you directly, but they may be indirectly valuable to you. Because they may connect you to somebody that could lead you to a big deal or lead you to your partner or whatever it is. So you never know who somebody else might know and who they may know. And that's the whole thing of the World Wide Web, or I like to call it the World Wide Web of people. Jason, this has been really educational. I know our viewers have really enjoyed learning not only about. Uh, the different ways people can network online, and just kind of your view on, you know, where things are going. So really do want to thank you for taking time and joining us on the Jay Moore Tech Talk show tonight. Thank you, John. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It is our pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Jacobson, a professional networker and a person who does so much more, can help you with events and a lot of other things. And if they want to reach out to you, Jason, is there a way that our viewers could reach out to you? Yeah,
4: I think uh, LinkedIn is a great way to find me just Jason Jacobson and look for me on LinkedIn and send me a note and tell me uh, where you found me, you know, how you heard about me.
1: Tell him that you heard about him on the J Moore Tech Talk Show, and I'm sure he'll be happy to connect with you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot more great guests coming up, as you know. And uh, again, I want to thank you, Jason. This was really educational. And uh, I know it'll hopefully help maybe get somebody off of their chair to take the step they need that may just bring them the business that they've been waiting for months. As they say, nothing actually happens until you take action. So what did you think of uh, of our guest, uh, Jason, of what he had to say about some of the things we should be doing with people remotely and some of the things we shouldn't be doing?
2: You know, it really puts you into deep thought, about this and I think a lot of people have made the mistake and he has just put a huge perspective on the correct ways in which to do it so I thank him a lot you know I have learned a lot
1: I definitely did I mean there were a lot of points he brought up and some things you would think are very common but common and sense don't seem to exist in our world anymore you have to like actually spell everything out
0: But yeah, I, yeah, I really
1: do did. thank so uh, Jason right. uh, Jacobson again for, for uh, spending time with us tonight. I'm sure our viewers definitely learned a lot about uh, you know how to network in this pandemic, which uh, can seem a little bit challenging. And I have to tell you something. When you have to network and you can't get close to people, you probably figure, well, I'm not going to do it. Well, your business still needs to survive. And this is something you need Mm. to do, and you need to get passionate about it. And the people that don't want to do this, Marcus, it might be time for them to hang up their hat. It's not nice to say, but I think Mm. they might have already planned their retirement. They might just add five years earlier than what they planned because for some reason, (laughs) sometimes when you add technology to certain people – Like this. And I don't know why, but is it because they feel inferior? Maybe it's because they feel intimidated or is it just because, I don't know, they just don't like it. I think the reason is because they don't want to learn it. They don't want to apply themselves and now be accountable for learning something new. And when they don't want to take that honest Uh, approach to doing it with sincerity. They don't want to be part of it because one side says they don't want to learn it, and the side that says they don't want to learn it knows that they have to put a lot of time in. So really, they're being lazy. I think they could learn it, Marcus, but they're being lazy. And that's why they're staying away from these uh, virtual networking platforms and events so they don't embarrass themselves. But if they just applied themselves— they could actually network with some amazing people. And we've learned that uh, from Jason. So thank you again for for being on our show. Um, Going down into something else that's happening, we haven't really talked about Mercedes too much in quite a few months, but Mercedes is recalling over one million vehicles, Marcus.
2: This is so terrible.
1: Actually, if you want the – the you know, precise number: 1.29 uh, million vehicles are being recalled.
2: Oof, just, just to think, a lot of people roll around, think they're in high class, and,
1: and phew,
2: they, they need, they need some, some work done.
1: It doesn't matter whether you have a Honda, whether you have. Uh, You know, a Jaguar, an Acura, um, a Land Rover, a Ford, or a Rolls-Royce. If they have a recall, well, then you can't be driving them, can you?
2: No, you can't. You know, uh, if it's unsafe, it's unsafe. Uh, And they're going to get a recall. That's the fact of the matter.
1: So... What I want you to understand is that this recall is pretty serious. When we think about recalls, it's usually like, okay, the taillight didn't work properly. Or when you close your gas cap, you may get an annoyance message pop up, but it really doesn't cause a big problem. I know I had one a while back where they said there was an issue with the taillight, and then there was an issue with the um, – I think it was the, uh, the gas pedal. And I said, well, gee, this didn't sound too terrible. But then when I read the little tiny fine print under the second recall, and this is uh, important because failure to respond to this in a timely fashion may cause your car to stall and may lead to death. So I went to the dealer and I said, well, what does that mean? Well, it's not really going to happen. But let's just say you were in traffic or you were on the highway and your car didn't get enough gas for whatever reason. Well, it would just stall and then the cars behind you would just kind of crash into you. Oh, you make that sound so easy. (laughs) As soon as I heard that, I said, this needs to be done today. Well, we can't do it till next week because we don't have the park. You don't have the part. No, we don't have the part. Will you have it next Tuesday? We think we'll have it next Tuesday, but we have about 1,000 of these to do. So what happens if I'm out on the road? You'll probably be fine, but do yourself a favor. Uh, Just don't go above 60 miles an hour. It'll put less strain on the engine. (laughs) I mean, I feel real safe now, Marcus, right? (laughs) So theirs was a little bit different. But it was still a safety concern. When you get a recall like, you know, uh, they say that a, a cushion needs to be recalled or a latch needs to be recalled, that's not a life or death safety issue. So imagine this, Marcus, being on the road. And God forbid, the car gets into an accident. And when that happens, there's a split moment when the power is actually uh, interrupted for the sensors for the actual onboard, um, we call it a, a, it's like a GPS uh, two-way call location system. And what happens is Mm -hmm. that device makes uh, a call out using a separate cellular number. It's only used for what we call the E911. When that happens, it dials the uh, private branded roadside because these companies don't have their own roadside. I learned this not too long ago that there's one or two companies out there and they just have private lines they answer in these companies' names. They don't have their own roadside assistance. And I learned this because when I was on the phone talking Mm -hmm. to somebody, I heard them mentioning another car name. And I said, wow. I said, you guys do that too? They said, Oh yeah, we do all the cars. How do you do all the cars when you're just for Mercedes or just for Acura, whoever it was? Oh, well, you see, we're just one company and we just answer the phone different ways depending on what line rings. (laughs) But yet they brand it and they charge you all this extra money saying it's an exclusive service with the car. But imagine that that device getting the,
2: the wait time.
1: It, that's exactly right. Yeah. So this device uh, gets tripped. trip. It makes a, a call very similar to a cell phone because that's what it is. And it dials the, the headquarters, and it's supposed to not only contact them so you can talk to them, hi, to, welcome to such and such uh, emergency, or sometimes now they have a message that plays to calm the people down. Uh, attention, your vehicle has been a crash. Everything is okay. We are calling help immediately. Please remain calm. So they now recorded this message. Instead of you waiting, because what would happen is the uh, system would call out, but then it may not get through to somebody. You'd have to either ring or wait. And that's not good when something happens. So now they have that little preamble while they're trying to get somebody on the line. And the person gets on the line. Now, that all works fine with Mercedes. But now she says, okay, I have your location and I'm going to send help. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I think my car just got hit. Okay. And I do show you're right there by the bridge, is that correct? What bridge? Well, you're 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 right there on Goffle next to the bridge. No, I'm not anywhere near a bridge. I'm actually in Pennsylvania um by the by the uh, zoo. Oh, hang on a minute. What's your VIN number? Now, you're going to ask somebody in accident what's your VIN? That's not going to go over too well. So the problem is their um, electronic notification system is sending out either no information or wrong information. That's pretty serious, Marcus.
2: Yeah, it is. Now, in
1: case you're wondering what lucky cars this happens to. (laughs) What's that, Marcus? Marcus.
2: Uh it's God forbid, you know, that anything happens. Um you, you, you're pretty much out of luck.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say you're kinda up a creek without a paddle. Mm-hmm. So the cars where this uh is currently being the ones that are being affected, it's the 2016 to the 2021, including the CLA class, the GLA class, the GLE class, the GLS class. The S, L, C class, the A class, the GT class, the C class, the E class, the S class, the CLS class, the SL class, the B class, the GLB class, the GLC class, and the G class vehicles. And this is according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. That sounds like all of them. That sounds like all of them. I think it's years. every single one of them. <laughs> Why don't they just say all of them? <laughs> and now you're probably saying, well, gee, oh, you man, know, I,
2: I think what do you do? Issue. Well,
1: there's good news. <laughs> the good news is Mercedes is more than happy to give you a free update to the system to fix the problem. <laughs> Well, I would imagine. They're going to fix it for free with a free <laughs> update, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. So there is another part in the vehicle that actually works perfectly fine. The same cell phone that actually makes calls when you call for like uh, concierge service or, you know, some people call them to, I don't know, uh, have them read you your horoscopes uh, or make reservations at a restaurant when they're not even in the town that you're in. And that's when I canceled that premium level because I was like, where should we go to dinner? Oh, I know this great place. And they're reading. And I said, well, they haven't had that on the menu in years. Oh, no. I said, if you dined there personally, can you hold on a minute? Let me get your supervisor. Supervisor goes on the phone. So I know you're recommending me to Villa Lodeste. Dest. Yes. Uh, how do you like that restaurant? Oh, it's a very nice restaurant. Have you personally eaten there? Well, no, I haven't. Okay, well, do you know anybody's eating there? Oh, yes, many people. Where are you located? Oh, we're located in Alabama. Okay, do you know that I'm in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how are you recommending a restaurant from Alabama when I'm in New Jersey? Oh no, no, this is a very good restaurant, sir. Yeah, but you're reading a script. You're telling me something about a special that they haven't had in two years. Oh, I see. Did you want another restaurant? No. I'd like you to tell me about a restaurant that you've actually been at. Oh, I see. Is there anything else I can do for you this evening? Would you like the weather or can I read you your horoscope? No. I'd like to speak to member services so I can downgrade my service. Okay, sure. No problem. Thank you so much for calling such and such roadside services. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Please hold the line. I mean, I'm making this up, but this is the truth. And this literally happened to me several years ago. They have the free plan where you get uh, the ability to track your vehicle and know things about the statistics, the miles, and all that good stuff and things that may be wrong with the vehicle. And that's free for the time of your car, pretty much for a few years. But then if you want to get the next level, which I have, which allows you to unlock the doors, send GPS to the car, that's a little more money. But then they have the third level which basically does everything. They hold your hand and do everything you want pretty much remotely. Uh, they'll read you a book if you want. <laughs> not really, but they do all these things and then they try to act like a concierge. So they'll even buy tickets for you. And then when you ask them, where am I sitting? Am I going to be on the ice? Oh, I'm not really sure. I don't have a picture of that. Well, am I at least near the goal? Um, well, you're by a window. Well, do you know like, how close I am to the ice? Not sure on that one. So why the heck would I even have this service? Well, we have your credit card already on file, and we can just bill it to you, and it'll be waiting for you, and we'll call when you get there. I mean, how stupid are we, Marcus?
2: I don't think we're that stupid. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but apparently that they, they have found found a way to try to get over on people. And this has been going on for years with this service.
1: You're right, and uh, the auto manufacturer, in this case uh, uh, Mercedes, said, and I quote, they were unaware of it, and they would provide a free software update. Some other interesting news in routers. Uh, in 2019, Mercedes-Benz in Europe investigated an incident with the automatic, they call it an e-call system, Provided incorrect positioning for its vehicle. The company found other situations where an incorrect vehicle position was relayed. So they're saying this is in 2016 to 21, and routers actually found a problem in 2019, but it wasn't just one particular occasion when it happened. Why did it take mm. 19, to 20, 2020? 20 to 20, why did it take three freaking years for them to wake up?
2: Yeah, it's just I really begin believe that someone started complaining and it was just not just one person. I believe it was way more than one person that started complaining and it was beginning to turn into a lawsuit at some point,
1: a class action lawsuit. I always say that, Marcus, we joke about this, but but it's really the truth. Whenever something becomes legal, it seems like people then want to fix the situation. Why is it not a concern before the lawyers get involved? It has to hit a company's a pocketbook before they start to take action.
2: That's exactly what it is. Interesting. They, they, they wait and wait and see how long they can skate past it.
1: Exactly. Another thing that we've talked about quite a few times on here is people creating videos uh, and photos that are fakes. Remember we were talking about this? How people are trying to pass these deep fakes off to other people on the internet? Okay. Well, some bad news. (laughs) Uh, Deep fakes uh, are still going around, which that's no surprise. The WACV, which stands for Workshop on Applications for Computer Vision, has recently uh, been able to show that uh, those bad actors, the people you know we know oh so well, they're inserting adversarial points into each video frame. And guess what that does? What well, do you think that
2: does, Marcus? I can only guess. I can only guess that it it may uh, just further further instigate the issue at hand, you know. So that's what I can suspect.
1: It actually causes the response when they're doing things uh, to actually be able to pass these fakes. So by putting in these points in every video frame. The systems that they've made to detect the fakes are actually saying that the fake is valid, and not a fake.
2: <laughs> oh, it, it sounds That's like AI just, is working
1: uh, with each other. Yeah, it's like it's working against each other there. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Oh, that, that's going to be interesting, and as and we knew this. As people start playing around with things and figure out how to monkey things, we're going to get wrong results, just like we get many false positives uh, in these COVID tests for people that don't jab the thing up to people's noses all the way. I still think the saliva test is much better, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, we can't have false positives in anything. It just causes a lot of panic. And in this case, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're getting things that are giving us false negatives because the thing that we're believing is a fake is coming back that it's not a fake. That's really an oxymoron. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, this is definitely (laughs) going to be interesting. And, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to wrap their hands about this, because you know, systems designed to detect fake videos, at just being able to manipulate real-life footage via artificial intelligence devices and now be deceived. Something that was supposed to be so foolproof. But I've told you this before, Marcus, nothing is foolproof. No. And I want to make a quote. Our work shows that attacks on deep fake detectors could be a real world threat, said Shizan Hussein, a UC San Diego computer engineer, PhD student, and first co author on the WACV paper. Now, if that's not a mouthful, I don't know what is. Definitely. What do you
2: think about that, Marcus? They well, might have lost you. There. I really feel... No, I'm, I'm here with you. Yeah, so just... Uh, think there's a little bit of a delay here somewhere. Uh, but going back to what you were saying, though, uh, if, if we don't develop a way to uh, just... I guess, not even develop a way, but we have to realize that, like... Uh, Nothing's that's going to be 100% perfect with these, with, with these things that's rolled, being rolled out.
1: I think you're on the right track when you said develop. Yeah, I think we need to develop a standard so that we can put things through yeah. their paces and see if they're going to fail. Just like the COVID vaccines, a lot right? of them are going to fail. We need something we can put these through, like a test that could be like a stress test. I mean, a long time ago when they were building computers, they used to stress test them. For a long period of time to simulate hours of usage. Now they don't do that so much anymore, but you would actually simulate so many hours of usage by putting no, it's stress tests too too on, on hard drives and memory. Yeah. So I think right now, people again, Marcus, they're at the forefront just trying to make a fast buck. They really don't care about people or technology. Yeah, they just want to dump things on the market and get paid for them. That's what I think the issue is. All right, in lighter news. Yeah, that's definitely the issue. <laughs> we've talked about we've talked about drones before many many times, and there's something really exciting uh, that is happening in the drone market. It is the first F, they call it an FPV, and it's going to launch by March. And that stands for, it's another one of these acronyms, right? First Person View Drone. Have you ever heard of that before?
2: <laughs> yeah, I heard of it. You know, so um, I'm looking forward to you know making sure that like it's definitely going to be safe.
1: Well, I think what they're trying to show us in this is that First-person view means that they're going to be able to control a drone as if you're sitting in the drone. So first-person view means if we compare it to the latter way of controlling drones, we would operate them by looking up in the sky at the drone through remote control. Now you're going to have a little mini screen, and you're going to be able to look at the screen and see – where the drone is by looking at the screen, not by looking at where it is in the air. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to inflate the cost of drones.
2: Absolutely, uh, anything. But I added wonder is uh, consider
1: extra. I wonder though how accurate they're going to be. In showing positioning, because they're supposed to not only show you positioning, but literally give you numbers on location, depths, and all kinds of uh, altitudes. I wonder how reliable it's going to be. My guess is it's probably not going to be very reliable for a while, because remember, this is the first release of this.
2: Yeah, every first release gets an update. What do you think on that, Marcus? uh, as As we know.
1: It's going to be very interesting and we'll just have to kind of see what happens. So, our friends uh at Google um uh, they're updating um the basically the iOS for the YouTube app. This is the first update, Marcus, since December. Isn't that crazy?
2: That is. They have to continue to The first update. Uh, I mean, but you right.
1: Although lots of people have been wanting updates, Google's had lots of bugs, and the apps are updated with new features to fix bugs, and hopefully the updates are not going to cause any more issues, as well as any type of security vulnerability issues. I think that's my biggest concern, Marcus. Are they, are they really doing their due diligence when they're putting these updates out there? Or are they just throwing something out just because somebody thinks it's a good idea?
2: I think companies like Google is going to get better at this because they already been in hot water before. So I think they're going to continue to prove in this in this way.
1: So, you mean, they're not you don't think they're going to want to just uh, sit in hot water like I would in a hot tub. No, they're going to want to get out.
2: Yeah, they want to get out. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so um, Slate Star Codex was shut down abruptly last year. This is very interesting. Um, the um, it was last year. Uh, basically, uh, it was a writer behind the Star, the Slate Star Codex, a blog, and it was abruptly shut down. Claiming a forthcoming story from the New York Times was going to reveal his real name and potentially put him in danger. The reporter, Cade Metz, uh, said that he was able to easily find the blogger's real name, Scott Siskind, online after a farewell post on the blog. Now, Metz says he and his editor were harassed online by its angry fans. And the Slate Star Codex and the ph- philosophical views made it so popular uh, that it that it was existing for such a long time. So it was very interesting, but um, really perplexing many people to why they wanted to shut down. And I'm guessing that maybe, Marcus, they were sharing information that they just didn't want getting out to the public. He was telling some truths. Yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is.
2: For for them to go that far, to get get his real name, uh, it's part of that ca- whole cancel culture. Uh, if there's something that another person doesn't like about you, or or you're saying something that they don't like, they'll, they'll get rid of you.
1: Well, we were talking about this just the other day, a friend of mine. You know, uh, in a lot of countries, whether it be our country or other countries, you know, we all have rights. But if you do go above a certain channel, those rights can be, how can I say, uh, nullified because they'll claim that it's a cybersecurity threat. Uh, we've seen people, uh, Marcus, in other countries, literally have their banks just emptied because they have imposed a fine on them. And the fine actually matched the amount of money that was in their account. Isn't that interesting?
2: That is very interesting.
1: So I like to think we always have fair people at play, but I don't think that exists. And I think that's why in this world, if you're going to do something, you need to make sure that what you're doing is something that's not going to be controversial. Uh, of course, we have issues you know, with the IoT and the privacy, and, and, and everybody knows about that. That's mainstream. But if you start... Deciding to, you know, dig a skeleton up in a closet that's 100 years old, you're looking for trouble. They always say, you know, let sleeping dogs lay. I think this is a perfect example because what was he gaining by getting this information out there? What was his real benefit? I don't think anybody really benefited from what he was saying. But I think it was more of an ego trip. that He knew something, and it was kind of like a – I don't want to use the word, but an FU type of thing where he basically was like, oh, I know this stuff, and I'm a hotshot. And that's what it was. It wasn't really to help people. It was basically to say, I'm a hotshot. And I think that ego is what got him into trouble. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that that does play a huge part in there. And when you pull away from what your original intent was, uh, that is how people get in your business and decide to shut you
4: down.
1: Yeah, so I think whatever you do in life, you have a right to your privacy. You have a right to your business, but your business is nobody else's business. And if you're working on something, don't make that public news. I think a lot of things happening in our world make people, I don't want to say fearful, but it just makes them think about whether they can Don't
0: let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtowns Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver, find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtowns Healthcare 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or Downtown.
1: Can't do something, and I don't think that's really the problem. The issue comes when you affect national security or you take a political figure, whether that be someone in our highest office of the country, to someone who's just a local office person. And you and I have talked about this before. When you get all up in even your local political people, they don't like their junk being messed with. They get very territorial, don't they? Uh,
2: yes, they do. You're
1: Best not really trying to territory. harm or hurt them. It's just that they feel threatened by you for some reason. Maybe you're going to expose a truth. And a lot of times a person's not trying to do anything wrong intentionally, but does something that puts that person in a bad light because now they've exposed them for something they've been trying to hide for years. That's what I've noticed, Marcus.
2: You're on the right track here, and you're really helping people to see the bigger picture about this thing. And for the matter of fact, the people have to be more careful
1: here. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's talk about our friends, Microsoft. We haven't talked about them in a while. So Microsoft's Edge, which I'm not a big fan of, uh, extension mm-hmm. is uh, been known to store a hosted um, illegal copy of Sonic and Mario Kart 64, the video games. So this just really opens up my eyes because the fact that this is going on just you know befuddles me. And Microsoft's Edge Extension Store hosting these illegal copies of Mario 64, Super Mario Brothers, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Pac-Man, Tetris, uh Cut the Rope, and even Microsoft's own Smash hit, Minecraft. Now the developers uh on the titles weren't Microsoft, as you probably and uh, and Nintendo or any other recognizable game developer, meaning that these games were definitely not official copies and therefore counterfeit. Several hours after this was detected, yes, uh, and the story has gone live, uh, all but only one game was still left on the site. They had seen a lot of things happen, but just to know that all but one game beyond the site, had been removed. They had seen another Sonic game, another Mario game, a couple of Pac-Man games, and a variety of copies of 2048, Flappy Birds, Fruit Ninja, Temple Run. But they aren't there anymore. All that remained was one game. Do you know what that one game was, Marcus? Marcus.
2: Um I'm I'm gonna put a guess that maybe Sonic might have been left. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I'm going with I'm going with Sonic <laughs> for 200.
1: <laughs> well that was all wiped, that was all wiped out. Everything I mentioned was wiped out. There was only one thing left, and that was a copy of Google Chrome's Dinosaur game. Okay. There were 35 oh. listings across <laughs> 10 different developers with names like GamePro, GameLand, Land, Stay Real. K Day, including a number of duplicate games, and many listings, even from the the different developers, had very similar descriptions indicating that they could be coming from the same source.
2: It seemed like they should have nailed these guys a a long time ago. Like, you know, it's that's just it's really crazy.
1: I think nobody really paid attention to it, Marcus, because these are very old games. If this was a game that was, you know, mainstream today, I think they would have kicked their rears into court pretty fast. But because these were old games, nobody was really paying that much attention to them. That's why I think they they took the time. I can see where you're going with that that one. I'm not saying it's right, but they probably figured it's just not worth you know their time and um we talked about this once before well we have another um police department that is prohibiting the use of facial recognition software in their precinct
2: yeah there's a lot of just bias with the fight recognition. It's not 100 percent perfect and uh, there's a lot of uh, things that go into it, uh, a lot of, a lot of people who oppose it. so yeah there was a lot of, a lot of public uh, you know opposition with this.
1: And uh, the technology has been found to have racial age and ethical biases and that's the reason they claim but when um they talked to the uh minneapolis department law enforcement officers they basically had said they don't want it anymore they find it to be um an issue that is uh really a problem because it is exercising Bad uses of data privacy and citizen, citizens' protection, and this was according to Star Tribune right in Minneapolis City. Now that's interesting. What do you what do you think about that?
2: That's also another thing to consider, Derek. It, when you when you snagging up like face f- faces just out of the blue. Uh, And you don't know, you know, what's what's going on with the data. Um, Another security vulnerability to to point out there.
1: So I think something has to be developed soon, Marcus, because, you know, our world is just crying out for protection. Uh, There was a lady uh, you might have seen the article a while back when um, she said to the person on the phone. Well, you mean if I say the wrong words on the phone, they're going to wiretap me? And then a picture right next to her. So I need a recipe uh, for my family this weekend that has uh, pumpkin bread. Hello, wiretap. You know, yeah. they're so concerned about things, but then yet they go put a device in their home that listens to everything they say. I, I don't know. But our friends a- at eBay are doing something very interesting. eBay used to be pretty flexible company, not like an Amazon. I mean, they were just very flexible. They had their rules, but I never really had issues with eBay. If you did something wrong on eBay, well, you were toast. But if you were one of the good guys, eBay really didn't bother you, and they really tried to work with the buyers and the sellers. And then they bought PayPal a while ago to make the purchase process Mm -hmm. uh, a lot smoother. Well, those guys aren't getting along too well anymore, and they're getting ready to file a divorce, I think, as they're starting to let go of PayPal. Yeah. So that's a problem because now where do you get your money from if the the hand that gives you the money is being cut off?
2: Yeah, so everybody's
1: gonna so eBay get a bank is now changing it its policy. Like it. That's right. They're now requiring anybody who is a seller to have a legitimate bank account. Now, they're claiming that eBay sellers will pay lower fees. This is what they claim. But when I looked at the metrics uh, of how this all works, you're actually paying more money. And the middleman is not PayPal anymore. It's eBay. So they're taking the money. They're becoming the middleman. And they're paying you a lot less than you probably should be getting. They may not be, um, I'm going to say, the same as PayPal, but I think they're pretty close. I think they're pretty close. But they say, oh, you want to do this because you're going to save so much money by doing this with us. But they've started a procedure, Marcus, where if you don't have an account and they're starting this in phases… So if you don't have an account, I believe it was by – they started, I think it was last Valentine's Day, just this past week, that if you didn't have a bank account and you were a seller, they were going to start – not everybody, but they were going to start in phases and cycles to start closing people's accounts down or suspending them if they did not have a valid bank account.
2: Wow. seems like the land of opportunity is, is becoming a little bit smaller over there.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's changing. I never suspected uh that they were going to sell PayPal. I guess something went south there. And because of that relationship, that's what caused them to have to make this whole change. Yeah. Because everything you did yeah, on eBay, it was it was be protection. An yeah, but the other thing is that people that didn't have bank accounts could put money in PayPal. Yeah, very easily. Very easily. But in order to hold a balance in PayPal, you do now have to have validation of a company or a person through social security number. Basically, if you want to hold a balance, they won't even let you spend the money in the account um, after a certain period of time because they just won't let you hold the balance. It's a very interesting thing. If you take the money out into an account. Yeah, it definitely
2: has to be transferred out.
1: Yeah, within so many days or you're in for trouble. So I think it's just trying to protect people from laundering money, um, Marcus. I think that's what it's all about.
2: Yeah, which is very fair. And we know that there's many opportunities for, uh, you know, these these type of crimes to continue to happen, and this shouldn't be the mode of uh, of of how they do it.
1: I I agree with you one hundred percent. And so the question always get asked to us a lot of times is, you know, what's inside the box or what's inside the black box, and. um... You know, we can go back to many uh, psychological um, experiments, but we're not going to go there now. Uh, What I want to just talk about is AI researchers and them asking the question, what's going on inside the black box? Is it a cute cat or is it something else? And that goes back (laughs) to the paradigm, is it dead or is it alive? So even though we're trying to get away from the psychological uh, representation, it seems like they're still bringing us back there. Uh, the cute cat or the protein binding site. So this is really interesting, Marcus, because, um, you know, this cold spring uh, harbor uh, laboratory, CSHL, uh, did some experiments to find a way to train machines to predict the future of DNA sequences. And they use neural nets of type of artificial intelligence to classify these images. And they would teach the neural net to predict the function of short stretches of DNA allowed to work up to deciphering larger patterns. The researchers hope to analyze the more complex DNA sequences that regulate gene activity and critical to the development of disease. That's gonna be really fascinating. That is. I think it's gonna change things a lot. Definitely going to gonna change things a lot. But I think the question really comes down to the fact of, you know, here again, Marcus, all this is happening. Where is the security? Now we're talking about helping people and and their lives and possibly i don't know predicting uh uh remedies and and uh cures and this is all gonna be sharing information with the cloud
2: yeah and the the mere fact that we're dealing with genetics here and how you know mutations work and uh, boy, mm-hmm. just imagine what type of weapons can be, biological weapons can be created from just understanding how uh, different mutations work.
1: Yeah, that could that could be a, a serious, serious problem. So I think information is going to have to be safeguarded in some way, shape, or form. But on a lighter topic, um, there's been a leak of the new Ring Video Doorbell Pro. It's actually going to have 3D motion detection on it. And, um, you know, the Amazon has them and lots of other places have them. It's the Ring doorbell. And this doorbell is going to be able to detect people at the door so that now it can have a better position to see the person. But it'll be able to detect the camera from a 3D perspective. And um, the new uh, device is just uh, a little bit uh, bigger. It's actually, if we compare it, the new doorbell seems it's a little bit shorter, but it is wider. Uh, but it's about the same design as, as what we saw before. And this is going to be, you know, very, very interesting uh, that now uh, the doorbell is going to be able to pick up people from different areas uh perspective so you don't have to have the doorbell mounted at a place that might not give you the best video so i think that's going to be good and uh it's going to have higher than 1080p they're now launching 1536p just when we thought 1080p was it well 1536p you're going to start seeing tvs with 1536p pretty soon but there are no services broadcasting in 1536p so why would you buy a TV that does fifteen thirty six p? I don't know.
2: That's pretty exciting uh, to to even to even think about that.
1: I mean, you could tell the Joneses, "Hey, I got a fifteen thirty six p TV for the Super Bowl." Yeah, but you can't watch it on. Yeah, I can. No, but you can only watch it ten eighty p because that's all the the service is streaming to. Oh. i don't know it's it's just really crazy and i have one interesting story left what if you could look at a building and suddenly come back the next day and the building's not there what would you think Uh, about
2: that's that? that would be that would be very weird
1: Okay, well, that actually is being built as we speak. So a building that is built with uh, glass and panels and then projection systems located around the perimeter of the property project landscape exactly as what's in the way of the building. So the building seems like it doesn't exist. Imagine going into a door that's part of a tree.
2: (laughs) But there is uh, a little bit of a conundrum.
1: Yes, uh, and they're actually doing this in Europe. Those projectors, I bet, are going to cost a few pennies. And the electric bill to keep those things running, I'm sure, is not going to be cheap. Because remember, it's got to project the entire building. And right. I don't think one is going to cut it, especially it's a big building. And they're actually doing it right now with a skyscraper. They want to make the skyscraper just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see the problem that's going to happen with that?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of safety issues with this.
1: Yeah, the big one is, uh, well, let's think about a plane, because it may not actually see the building. And the second is, uh, birds are going to fly right into the building, because it's going to look like it's just open air. But it is going to accomplish the concept of making the building invisible. And that's what they're building, the first invisible skyscraper. I'm not sure if I'm really for the Definitely idea. I good think luck it's me. <laughs> but I don't think I want my building to be invisible. No. What do you think, Marcus?
2: No, not I'm right? not I'm not sure that like, you know, uh with the safety issues concerning that, like I would want, want an invisible building unless I'm just out in the middle of the desert somewhere.
1: Yeah, and then what are you going to want it to be, a picture of water?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It'll be a mirage. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, listen, uh, next week uh, we have another great guest coming on. I am really fortunate to have this guest. He is an author. Uh, This is uh, John Hart. Uh, He has written some amazing books. He's actually um, gotten the the Edgar Award. Uh, He creates novels that are somewhat raw, they're tender, they're brutal, and they're very exquisite. Uh, This last uh, book, which I had the the privilege of of reading uh, when it came out on February 2nd, so I'll be interviewing him on our on our next show, but he is amazing. The book is called The Unwilling, and it combines crime, suspense, and searing glimpses into the human mind and the soul in New York Times bestselling author, John Hart, singular style. And getting the Edgar words. so you're going to want to stay tuned. I could tell you this, Marcus, when I started reading this book, I'm not one that reads crime, but when I read this book, I couldn't put it down, I mean, other than to use the restroom and come back, but this book held me on the seat of my chair, the way it was depicted, the prison, everything, it was just, it was so lifelike, and then when certain characters appear at the end of the movie, and it just, I don't want to ruin the, the book, but he's a great author, and we need more authors like this, because he really personifies things that People want to be part of. I don't think I know an author that has won the Edgar Award so many times. That's just an amazing uh, accomplishment. So you're gonna want to definitely stick around for that. You'll get to learn, uh, you know, why uh, he wrote the book, how he got into his field, all some great things, and then to tell you uh, who's coming up for next month, so that we can hold that wonderful attention that I know you all have uh, in March. On the 5th, we actually have uh, Kurt uh, Ruskoff, who's uh, another uh, fellow team member here from the Transform Media Network, who has a a show or two of his own. So we'll get to interview him. And uh, on the 12th, we're going to talk to Dr. Farshad Pavlini on sustainability. On the 19th, we're going to talk to Francis Kramer. You're going to like that one. He is from China. Now, originally, he was from Germany, but he then went to China, got a job as a salesperson, but that's one of the lowest jobs you can have in China. He then retired a few years back. He went back to Germany. Then he came back to China, and he's living a second life in the dream job he's always wanted, which is to be a manager, to manage all those salespeople. And something very interesting is that China actually pays 10 times more money to people that come to China that aren't from China for work they need in China. Tell me that's not interesting. That's interesting. V- very interesting, right? So, right. I think when, when 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 we think about all these things, you know, and, and, and what's happening, I just can't believe, uh, you know what what's going on, but on March twenty-sixth, oh my gosh, you have to watch this on 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 the uh it's it's actually it's actually on yeah March March 26, which is the last Friday of March, if you're not following us here, I have the father of the cell phone. The gentleman who made the very first cell phone call in 1974. And the first call he made was to his competitor. And when he called him, the call that he made, the gentleman hung up on him. He thought he was just teasing (laughs) him. And when he asks him to this day, if he remembers, he doesn't even remember that he called him. Not... The person who made the call, the other guy. So we have some great guests coming up and, and even more. Uh, but incidentally, we are at the end of our show. I don't know where the time goes. But if you would like to be a guest on the Jay Moore Tech Talk show, uh, or you have a product that you would like me to unbox for you, visit jaymore.com. And once you've done that, you can go to the little reach-out icon at the top um, right of our page, fill out the web contact form. We will get in touch with you and see if you will be a a great guest for our show. Uh, If you do want us to unbox something, I do need to let you know that you have to donate the product to us and ship it to us, and we'll take care of pretty much everything else. I want to let you know of a brand new group that I have started on Facebook called the Tech Unboxing Group. And that's where you're going to actually be able to not only see me doing unboxings, but you'll get to see me live many times through the week. So if you guys um, have questions for us or you have ideas, please reach out to us. Before I say goodbye to all of you. Uh, I always want to thank my loyal listeners for watching, you know, share this program with your friends, with your colleagues, even your enemies, too, for that matter. Um, And uh, let them know about what we're providing, because we got something really special here, don't we, Marcus?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, it is always a pleasure to be with you, Marcus, and it's a pleasure to be with our wonderful audience and I want to Bless tell you what I always tell you during the pandemic: be smart, be safe, practice social distancing, think what's your head—that's on your head—and just realize this will pass. But we need to be smart during this time so that we can actually get through this and have as little casualties uh, as possible. And get back to the life that I know all of us are waiting for. But it's not going to be tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a hybrid world after this. uh, But it's going to be a better world. So it's going to be different, but it's going to be better. I wish you all a wonderful weekend. This is John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. And Jay Moore Tech Talk show host and Marcus are saying uh, goodbye. And uh, good day. And, of course, a very safe and fun weekend to all of you. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 88811. That's IT support to 8881. Triple1 and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here on the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. Remember, jmor.com.